That's right. Awesome. Um, okay, cool. Does that say Toon Kills Man? Oh, it does. Yes. Uh, nice. Who Framed Roger Rabbit is a favorite in our oh, household. Yeah. And so uh, I think this has been with Chris for a very long time. I recently just acquired it um, in our new apartment. But yeah, we love it. We have gone to midnight screenings. We're big fans of the form. Uh, and you're in L.A., correct? Yeah. Yeah. So I am in North Hollywood and uh, have kind of felt like I've been all over L.A., uh, fortunately. Mm. So I feel like I actually have a kind of a great understanding of the different neighborhoods and pockets. And it's a lot of fun. <laughs> it's a big city. Yeah. They call that they call it no- NoHo, right? Is that the? Yeah. That- yeah. So I'm in NoHo. So how does how does NoHo compare to other areas in L.A. you've lived and uh, experienced? I guess this is my first time living in the Valley, which has its oh. own reputation uh, yeah. aside from NoHo. I mean, it's known as like the more quiet part of town and okay. like people go here to chill out. Uh, yeah. They don't have like a ton of energy, yeah. like there's no clubs here or anything. So, I mean, that's kind of a fun vibe. It's nice because I have a dog. My dog likes it quiet. No problems mm-hmm. here. But I used to live in mid-city, kind of near Koreatown, <clears throat> yeah. which was full of hustle and bustle and yeah. nightlife. And it was fun and exciting. And before that, I lived in um, Los Feliz, which oh, nice. also like was super cute and it was I was in a nice little duplex that had you know it was right on Hillhurst so there was tons of stuff around tons of food lots of young people very vibrant I mean a lot of fun um but I don't mind I don't mind a relaxed vibe fine with me you don't miss you don't miss the hustle and bustle no okay it it creates more traffic (laughs) that's okay yeah yeah. that's a problem that we don't really have in New York uh as much but yeah. um yeah, as we as we kind of said, I guess off air, it is nice to meet you and, and thanks for doing this. Uh I'm excited to talk to you. I always like talking to people, um, another dookie. So that's always uh you know. Yeah, super so, fun. Yeah. So um, all right. So that let's talk about the most recent thing I saw, which may have traumatized me for life, which is I think one of your first things, um, where you play the girl that has polio. Yeah. And the girl next door. And when I uh, saw it, I did not know that. I mean, when I first, I didn't know what it was about. And when I first started watching it, I thought, yeah, this looks like a friendly period piece uh, in the 50s. You know, there's Mm -hmm. cool music that kind of takes me back to that time. And we're Mm -hmm. kind of in a suburbia landscape. Uh, And then I started, you start kind of seeing this um, woman, Ruth. And mm-hmm. it's like, all right, she's a little weird. She's a little, uh, she says some weird things, but it was the 50s. Maybe that was just, you know, that was the time that that, was, that stuff was said. But then um, as you go deeper, you realize that uh, what she's saying isn't, what she's, her, um, she has actions to kind of back up some of the things that she says, and they're not very pleasant. So yeah, what cracks what, start to show. Yeah. For so sure. what um what kind of drew you into that piece? I think that was in uh the early aughts, right? Yeah, that was. And I think that was maybe my first production that I ever did uh mm. for film or TV. And yeah. I was maybe gosh, I was maybe 10 years old at the time. Yeah, you looked and super tiny. Yeah. Well, I think what's so cool about that too is like it is this horror thriller. It is super dark. It is based yeah. on a true story, which was That's why I really think really sad. it was made. Yeah. yeah. And so I mean to not go into too much like gruesome detail about yeah. it. Um I played this character who was the sister, the younger yeah. sister of of a girl um whose real name was Sylvia Likens, who was essentially tortured and, and murdered by a neighborhood of of 
boys and kids and led by this like evil aunt that was taking care of them. And so finding my way into that project started kind of with me finding my agent in New York at the time, which Mm. was a very unique experience as a child actor, uh, especially starting when I was 10 years old. I mean, you know, that's not really in my control. There are like people who are, um, working with me or my parents who are kind of like making those decisions. So I think it's Mm. really cool that, you know, it was really uh, fueled by my mother who found my agent when I was 10, because I really, really liked performing. And she literally went to the Barnes and Noble, I think at that time, you know, brick and mortar bookstore. And she bought a book called, Oh, I'm going to get the title wrong, but like how to raise a star. Okay. Was the title of the book. And it was by an agent named Nancy Carson, Mm. who had represented um, Britney Spears when she was young in the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse and um, like Matt Damon when they were like kids. Um, And so she was this like child agent phenomenon in New York. And so Mm. my mom wrote her an email. We booked a Christmas trip to New York and we showed up at the office, which was kind of how like, I feel my mom strong armed my way in. And when I first met Nancy, uh, decades ago, uh, she kind of just took a chance on me. She Mm. had experience working with kids who didn't live in New York, who were in the Southeast. And she felt, I think that I had a, a seriousness about the craft of acting even at Mm -hmm. that age that I was like able to go in and do these auditions for again these like very serious heavy roles um and so uh you know I was never really a Disney Channel kind of kid Mm -hmm. that just wasn't my strong suit I wasn't like naturally gravitating towards that and when you're a kid actor as well I feel what comes naturally to you is so much of what they want you to pursue because they want you to be real they want you to be you know, and whether or not you have training or not as a kid, they, they'd rather lean into like what you have, what you are, because it'll be more authentic, right, especially right. in this like crazy environment where there's like cameras and like so many adults and like grown ups yeah, running yeah. around doing like crazy things. And so, yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, I really enjoyed doing this kind of like really heavy, dark drama. Dark. Like I loved this heavy stuff. I just found that and I don't know why, maybe I was a little cuckoo. I just really gravitated towards like the darker, the heavier, the better. And so I went out for this role and my mom read the script and she was like, okay. (laughs) And uh, I think at that point, auditions were mostly still in person. So I I think I flew to New York for that audition and Mm. auditioned in some room in some building in Manhattan I'd never been to before. And, you know, I remember my mom for like all these auditions, like, finding the address, like finding some weird sweet number in like a place in Manhattan we'd never been like, and, and, uh, and that experience, I mean, was really exciting and really fun. There was a lot to it that I think made it exciting too. There were like, it was a period piece. There were period costumes. I wore like polio leg braces. The hair was like, again, period. There was just so much going on that was so interesting. We had to find like certain locations that fit, you know, in the 50s. And it was just very exciting from that perspective. And I was shielded from like a lot of what was going on. But uh, where was that that shot? That was shot in Jersey. Oh, really? (laughs) Just like right across the river. Yep. Man. All that happened. So did that happen? Do you know where that story happened in reality? It happened in the Midwest somewhere. And again, I I think, you know, I don't even think I've seen the movie because when it came out, my parents were like, no, I don't think we need to see this one. You never saw that? (laughs) 
No, I don't think I've ever seen it even to this day. And it's so funny because I just, I've just ran into some other people who have seen it. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that that thing Wait, happened that, that people were telling me about. But is that something that is like not confined to this? Like, are you kind of weird about watching stuff that you do in general? Or is it just the darkness of that thing? I would think that most, I, from, I mean, I guess in my experience, most actors are weird about watching themselves. I guess. Um, I, mean, I don't know. Yeah, because I feel like you're also such a perfectionist and you see such of yourself in the role in maybe a way that I, I makes me uncomfortable in a way. But uh, I mean, I'm happy to watch it. When I was a kid, I used to um, go into a different room while everybody was watching the episode on oh. TV or whatever was coming on. Yeah. Uh, but I think the older I've gotten, the more I'm like, no, this is like a craft. This is interesting. I want to see my part in it. But no, I haven't gone back and watched that one even. Well, what, what sort of plan? I mean, you mentioned that, you know, you weren't, it wasn't a big stretch to like play these serious roles. You, it seems like you had a very serious uh, discipline, you know, mindset about it. But where did that, where did that stem from? I mean, 10, that's like, that's quite young. I guess people start when now, like when they're pretty, when they're like babies sometimes, right? Because their parents kind yeah. of called, it, called them into it. So what, what led to the interest in, I guess, like, was there an interest in films or was it more of an interest in acting? So, yeah, I mean, I was like a musical theater kid. And I think mm. it's because of the same reason that like all parents put their kids in. They're loud. They have a lot of energy and yeah. they want everyone to look at them all the time. Uh, so that was kind of why I started taking musical theater classes. And my dad really liked to sing a lot, too. And so mm. it kind of stemmed from there. And I think yeah. that the conservatory that I was going to, and I found a, a private, a few private acting instructors. They were very serious people and very serious about the craft. And, um, I think the way that I was able to get into it. So, um, I guess seriously is the word really is because I did one-on-one -on -one lessons with mm. these people. And so it wasn't a class full of like, 20 kids where like yeah. we had a lot of time to ourselves to play yeah, it was exactly. like me and my acting coach and doing a scene study and a lot of what I did as a kid too was like scenes between adults and kids in in those scene study classes because yeah. if you look at a lot of movies the kids their, their interactions are with adults mm -hmm. in some of these heavier dramas um yeah. or even comedies there's it's so rare that there's scenes between kids or that there's kids movies about only kids I feel like those are kind of like that are especially that are like especially those that are substantive right yeah. And yeah. so I got all this practice doing these scenes with adults and and having the mindset of approaching that with seriousness and gravity. And so I think that's kind of how I found my way into that particular niche. And I also just had the mindset and I don't know, maybe I'm flattering myself, but maturity of being able to handle yeah. these like more adult topics and being like, okay, and comfortable with that. Well, when you say scene study, I mean, was it was it kind of like like Meisner, like repetition, or what, was there a specific um, focus that kind of stemmed from one of those like those three major disciplines that you always hear about? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I, I think I kind of progressed. I mean, when I first started, I was probably eight, and at that point. I was working with a woman named Kathy and it was just me and her doing these scenes. And because I was so young, we didn't talk about like the technical words, like objectives or personalization or like Meisner technique, or yeah. we would say things like being in the moment. But I think that's maybe like mystifying a bit of the nitty gritty of what Meisner is or Adler mm. Hagen. And so as I got older, I found this acting coach named Melissa Lozoff and she really got into, I think, 
the technique of acting with me. And I really appreciated that because I loved the structure of it. I love being able to say like, okay, I can realize this vision once I learn my objective, once I personalize the script, once I start doing my son's memory. Mm. Um, And so I started getting those tools as I got older and uh, being able to study all of them. And now I like pick and choose what works best for me based on the amount of time that I have to prepare for a role. And so uh, that's kind of how I started learning the techniques as I got older. Were there actors at that point that you kind of looked up to or whose performances kind of resonated with you more than others? Well, at that time I was a kid and I admired other kid actors. I was yeah. obsessed with Abigail Breslin. And oh, I wanted yeah. to do everything she did because she's um, only a few years older than me, I think. Mm-hmm. And even to this day, I mean, I think her roles are are really meaty and incredible. Yeah. But I remember the first film that I ever really truly loved from like an entertainment media standpoint uh was little miss sunshine i was like i think that came out in 06 i was 10 years old and i was like this is awesome this is incredible this story is so deep and meaningful and funny and i watched it because my mom was an alan arkin fan but i saw abigail breslin and was like that is the coolest thing on the planet i think i could do that all of right Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And Paul Dano was in that. Steve yeah. Carell. Um, yeah. I think Greg Kinnear, Tony Collard. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Everybody. An all-star cast. So that was really yeah. inspiring to me. Was that, was another, like, was that inspiring also because you wanted to feel like you wanted to be part of an ensemble? Like, were you thinking about film and working in, and being an actor, like in terms of the collaboration or were you kind of focused more on like, oh, this is what I would do if I was doing this? Uh, I think the community draws me to performance I would say maybe a lot of us feel that and I think that's why we all really usually start in theater as well because that is where you get the essence of an ensemble you get that like communal building of a project and uh but I but I was really into film and I really liked that and so uh watching it I thought it was so cool that and and knowing a little bit about what happened behind the scenes, just thinking that it must be so exciting yeah. to be a part of like creating that vision. And that's one of my favorite things as an actor too. I like to create a vision and serve as a part of that bigger whole. Um, and so I think the community aspect for me is, is, is one of the most important things. I mean, I love working with a director and other actors to like achieve a common vision. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of how I see my role in projects. And so, uh, I mean, I think I definitely saw that in Little Miss Sunshine. It was like an ensemble of actors yeah. and it kind of followed mostly them the whole time and, and seeing how they all work together and individually with each other, uh, was inspiring to see their their sense of camaraderie. Yeah, and then also the resistance in the family. Like, uh, I think you see it almost at the beginning when they start their trip and Kinnear is, like, giving shit to Breslin because she's ordering ice cream. Like, you go from mm-hmm. that to, like, this um, super freak disaster, right? Which kind of is the film, and then they're all super close. Um, wait, so you grew up in the South, like, the whole time? What'd you say? Yeah. Happy? Yeah. So I was born in Durham in nice. Duke Hospital. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, and grew up in Chapel Hill. And oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm like a North Carolina girl, like born yeah. and bred, and was able to kind of 
uh, find pockets of training there and like outsource any other training I wanted to find. So I traveled to New York for a lot of summers to do training programs, um, dance, like singing, drama, anywhere. I like went to Atlanta to do programs. And then as I got older, I was able to travel more to do other programs. And so anything that I couldn't find in the Southeast, um, which mind you has like greatly expanded since I was yeah. a young kid. There's so yeah. many more like acting studios and opportunities and agencies mm-hmm. and things in the Southeast now. Um, but I was able to like travel to find what I wanted. And I did go to New York a lot. I, I remember when I was in middle school, I used to travel to New York once a week from wow. like sixth through eighth grade for an in-person audition. Mm-hmm. And when things went to self-tape, I was like, whoo, thank God. Yeah. Oh my God. But Very did you miss, excited. Did you, did, you, did you kind of uh, still miss the experience of going there? I mean, would you go with like a parent? I mean, I don't think you would go on your own, right? I did go with a parent for a long time. And then uh-huh. I think when I was like 13 or 14, my parents were like, you got it, right? And I yeah. was like, yeah, 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 all good. I already was like trying to abandon them on the subway when I was younger, yeah. right? like, <laughs> you know, and so they were like, I think you can handle this. Uh, and they did give me tools to like, you know, deal with being <laughs> alone. Yeah. Uh, but I took taxi cabs everywhere. So it wasn't really an issue. And I, I really liked that independence. I kind of felt pressured by the oversight of having a parent there. I remember when I was a kid, I would refuse to practice my lines with them, which I think Mm. is so silly now because now I tape all my auditions sometimes over the phone with like my mom or dad and like reading the lines. But when I was a kid, I just wanted it to be my thing. And I maybe felt weird in front of my parents doing these like heavy scenes that are things that maybe we like didn't talk about at home at the time or like, yeah. And so when I started to go by myself, I really enjoyed like getting really focused and uh, in the zone for those auditions that I went to. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, so then um, that's great. And did you have siblings growing up too? I did. Yeah. I have an older sister and it's funny, actually, she usually, she started out as the really artistic one and I was Mm. very like science and math focused. And then somewhere in high school, we kind of switched and she (laughs) is a chemical engineer now and, and I am the artist of the family. So yeah, we, we kind of like flipped paths in high school, which neither of us were really expecting. Uh, Were you guys pretty close? Are you close? Yeah. So she's actually getting married in February. So Mm. I'll be heading back to North Carolina to see her. I'm trying to think of a great uh, maid of honor speech that uses Mm. all of my skills that I've been developing around the globe for the past decade to really make that uh, a great sensational. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, All right. So then when you're, so you're growing up in North Carolina, you're going to auditions like, in New York from sixth through eighth grade, like once a week. So you're doing this mm-hmm. a lot. Is that, is that affecting um, like relationships at school and stuff? Like, did you still feel like you had um, close friends and everything that kind of got it? Yeah. And I mean, I don't, I think it was hard for my friends at school to understand like what it was I was really doing. Um, I'm not sure that that was clear. Um, but I mean, I think it's really cool that my school system was like, yeah, like you can miss, it's fine. They were like, just, you know, do your schoolwork. And it was never a problem for me because I always really loved school. And so I was like, sure, sure, sure. No problem. And I missed, oh my gosh, I missed so much school growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember when I was filming John Adams, they gave us an onset tutor 
And my, I was in fifth grade at the time and my fifth grade teacher like didn't give any homework to the tutor to give to me because oh, she was wow. like, no, you already know it. So we're good. And so nice. I did a lot of puzzles during that tutoring. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, I, I never really had a problem with it. And then I had a, a whole nother group of friends growing up who were also very interested in entertainment. And, you know, there were some kids that I knew who were also pursuing it professionally like me. And so those kids really understood it, but I feel like most of those kids lived in New York. So they weren't people I saw all the time, but they were people I like ran into at auditions. And back when they used to have these huge, like, (laughs) it's maybe derogatory. They used to call them cattle calls for um, shows on Broadway. Like I auditioned Mm. for Annie a bunch and I would see the same girls there, you know, year after year for those auditions. And so it was fun to kind of develop those relationships over time and see how everybody kind of maybe diverged on a different path. A lot of people moved out of acting. A lot of people like went into maybe improv or things like that. Um, But yeah, I mean, I remember (laughs) I had been doing a lot of acting and in the eighth grade, they had a, um, what do you call them? Like superlative voting thing where you voted for like best smile or like, Oh yeah. Most like most stylish. Yeah. Yeah, That kind of thing. And they had a category for most talented. And I remember I was like, I'm a shoe in in the eighth grade and I didn't get voted in. And I was like, nobody gets it. Nobody gets me. (laughs) Do you still carry resentment at the person that was voted that? (laughs) No, but I still do know her name. (laughs) Do you know what no. she's, do you still keep in touch or anything or no? Probably not, right? No, we're, I guess we're Instagram friends technically. Okay, um, that's okay. But yeah, she lives in Japan now. She, oh, wow. um, yeah, it's very fascinating, very different kind of field than myself. So Is she pretty luckily, talented? Does she, does she yeah. earn the honor? Okay, that's good. All right. So yeah, then, yeah. All right. So uh, in North Carolina, you're doing all these things. So do you know at that point, like from 10, that this is what you want to do? Um, like as a career or are you kind of doing it because you really like it and because you're getting encouraged to do it? I was all in. I was yeah. like, yeah, this is what I'll be doing for the rest of my life. Yep. Wow. This is it. I understand. And it only got more exciting as time went on when I learned yeah. more things about the craft of acting, about filmmaking um, uh, and about the process of being on set. It only got more and more exciting. Uh, and so I was like all in. And I think it's so cool that the people surrounding me kind of understood that. Mm. And they were like, if you want to do this now, then like, we're going to really do it. We're going to really take you to these training places. I'll do the research. You need to show up, do the work. And I was like, very excited about it. And I remember when I was a kid, I used to do like a lot of musical theater programs. And I did one in New York called um, Broadway Artists Alliance. Mm. And I was staying in a hotel room with my mom for the camp. And she told me after it was over that I was like singing in my sleep the whole time. I would practice the songs that I was doing in the camp in in my sleep. And so, you know, I think I really genuinely was into it and people were seeing the signs around me and and allowing me to pursue it at the level that I wanted to. So did you feel like, um, like college was something you needed to kind of to do that um, a little bit, I guess, I don't know, I don't know if further is the right word, but just um, in a certain way, or do you feel like, uh, I don't know, was it never a second thought to like go to college? I flipped and flopped on college for a really long time. 
Mm-hmm. And I wasn't even sure I was going to go to college until like the second I hit the accept offer button on the computer. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure that it was for me. And and it's pretty cool that the people surrounding me were supportive of that too. My mom was like, yeah, if you just want to like move to New York or move to LA and get started, like, sure, yeah, try it. And, you know, you can always make a pivot if you want at any point in your life, like you mm-hmm. have that agency. And so, um, I ended up going to a boarding arts high school, um, UNCSA, the School of the Arts, which has a oh, very yeah. reputable um, BFA program. Is that Winston, Winston-Salem? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so they have a very small boarding high school on their campus as well. And so I kind of took the opportunity to try that. And it was very much a conservatory atmosphere, which... Maybe it wasn't my my first exposure to that, but it was my first time doing that in an academic sense and mm-hmm. like taking acting classes and getting grades and that kind of thing. And and uh, the structure of it was certainly fascinating. Previously, I'd kind of put together my own schedule of learning through like private coaches and the techniques they taught me, but mm-hmm. a conservatory style uh, program like acting, you start your voice training, you start singing training, you have like intro to movement, you take ballet. Um, and it was a, a a very structured course of study. And I really enjoyed the ensemble that I built with my classmates there over a year. There were only 20 of us in the program. Oh, wow. And so it, it felt like being in college, especially because we were using the same studios as the college students and we were surrounded by them every day. And so maybe we felt like we were a little bit fancy and more mature than we were. But I think because the aim of that program was to get kids into um, college BFA mm-hmm. conservatory based programs, yeah. I kind of and that was even a course we took. I spent a lot of time applying to to schools for BFAs and auditioning for these programs. And I also applied to a couple schools that interested me. I mean, my parents went to Duke. I was born there. I grew up there. Like it's kind of a family school and I couldn't imagine a world in which I didn't apply. And so I also threw that one in the mix. And I mean, when the time came to decide, I, I was so unsure of what to do. But I think what was the biggest factor for me was I thought about my life as a whole. And and so much of the advice I was given was you need to learn about the world and experience more things in life in order to be a fuller person for your acting. And I have a lot of varying thoughts on that now. Uh, hmm. But I think it was good advice for me because I had been in Durham my whole life. And while I'd gone to New York and LA and things like that, it was very much focused for my acting training. And so I didn't really get out and like see a bunch of things. And yeah. Uh, you know, meet a ton of people. And so I decided that what I was going to do in college was not go to a BFA program, not study drama in college, but try to get a very well-rounded experience. And I think because I had inside into how the Duke experience worked, I was able to tailor it to what I wanted. And so I went abroad five times when I was at Duke wow. and graduated in three years. And so I feel like I did exactly what I wanted to do. Yeah. And uh, I loved being able to have that control. And I mean, to go on and on about it, but I, I think I had a really yeah. incredible experience. I like was able, and I I did end up as a theater studies major, but it wasn't performance-based. It was very theoretical. And I had a professor there that I think really changed my view of watching performance and um, 
Who was that? The rhetorical effectiveness of it. His name's Bradley Rogers. Mm. And he, I think, was like such a secret little weapon that the theater program had that I wished more people had known about because I think he contextualized so much of like how to view performative behaviors in the world, in your peers, in the workplace. How do we uh, see this uh, like an understanding of performance in order to yeah. understand um, it's like how we stuff. structure our lives. I mean, yeah. it was so cool. And yeah. uh, I love my experience at Duke. I mean, I, I, I did exactly what I wanted to do. And um, I feel where, really lucky to have been able to do it. Where did you study abroad? Yeah. So I went to the Marine Lab. So Duke mm. has a Marine Lab. And right. I studied... Uh, marine biology and underwater photography and visual media theory. So that was wow. some very like Easter egg kind of class. I feel like I found that was perfect for me. Hmm. And then I studied, I did a Duke in LA program, which hmm. was at USC for a semester. And so we did Duke classes, USC classes and internships. And I was able to take stage combat at USC, which oh, was nice. really fun. Yeah. yeah. And I actually just saw, what did I see? Um, I just saw 222 A Ghost Story at the Amundsen Theater, which just came from the West End. It's phenomenal. Um, But I was looking, flipping through the the playbook and uh, my stage combat instructor was in there as the combat instructor for the play. So it's just cool to see Small World. Um, How how are your stage combat skills? Well, I would say maybe out of practice, but definitely existent. (laughs) Okay. Is that something that you list on your resume? Or do you think for sure? Okay. For sure. No, I mean, not, I have right? hand-to-hand combat experience. Okay. I don't have experience with uh, weapons or um, like bows or staffs, and I have very minimal sword experience. But I think definitely enough to be able to like learn it, pick it up for a show. Um, but hand-to-hand is very fun. It's it's exciting. It's made me want to get into martial arts. Uh, yeah. Have you ever healthy. have you ever been in a fight like physically or no? <laughs> no. I I don't think I have either. I would give up uh, yeah. right away. I mean, you win. Yeah, I, just, <laughs> I would just question the purpose of this and walk away. I don't really. Yeah. So, the, okay. So then you're doing, um, so you're at Duke, you're having, uh, you know, good time. Are you, um, you're making friends, I guess, uh, you're, through all your experiences and then also um, acting a lot, you know, doing all these study abroads. Yeah. Um, are you still having like the Duke experience, like going to um, like Ninth Street and like, hanging out yeah. downtown and whatever. I think I really packed that all into the first year and a half when I was really on like campus. The, the shooters thing. Did you do that? Oh, sure. Did yeah. I think so cave? much. <laughs> yeah, I did. Okay. I okay. did. And I think during my graduation too, I brought my mom to shooters at that point because nice. they had built shooters a few years after she graduated from Duke. So she never got to experience it. And oh, on yeah. graduation night, everyone took, it was like them and all their parents at shooters. And I was like, you're going to see what this is like for us. So yeah, <laughs> we had a great time. <laughs> I think we closed the place out. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. All right. So then where do you, so what happens after college? Like what's kind of the first, um, what's, uh, you know, step, I guess you take in uh, the world of the real world, so to speak. Yeah. And I think that transition was particularly difficult for me because Mm. um, there were a lot of different parts to it that I felt like I wasn't prepared to make those decisions. And I felt maybe paralyzed as if, as uh, because I didn't know what to do. The first decision was um, New York or LA and people in my life kept trying to throw Atlanta into the mix because I had been so Southeast based and it is a huge and growing industry right now Mm -hmm. because of the tax benefits that Georgia has. Um, But 
I wasn't particularly interested in going to Atlanta because I thought I just, my frame of mind is if I wanted to shoot my shot, like I want to go big or go home. And so to me, it was like main markets. That's where I'm looking. And I know a lot of people now who like have been in LA for years and then moved to Atlanta. And so, I mean, it is a great place for people to start out. I just don't think it was the decision for me. And I I still feel that way about it. Mm -hmm. Um, But that was the first big decision. And I had spent enough time in New York as a kid growing up for summers and training programs that I knew that it stressed me out. <laughs> it, it didn't make me very happy in my day-to-day life. It's just, yeah. I'm a small town girl. It was like too much for me to handle. I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't do it. I, I felt so like hyper-stimulated and like uh, crazy all the time. And so I knew okay. that LA was the move for me. And yeah. that was the more difficult choice for me because all of my friends and peers had gone to New York because I had done such a theater-based training, which I think is kind of the only training that exists out there right now. I mean, there are a few schools that have um, film acting programs, but it's very few and far between. And so all of my peers went to New York and I was like, okay, I guess I'll uh, catch y'all on the flip side. And I ended up in LA and it was also difficult because I didn't have any introduction to the industry out here. And I mean that in the sense that like, in the Southeast in New York, I knew all the casting directors. I'd been auditioning for them for years. Hmm. I like knew people knew me. They knew yeah. my agent. I knew how to right. get called in. Mm-hmm. I knew what I was marketable for. And I'd had like certain success with certain um, creatives in that in that world. And heading to LA was like, I guess I'm going to start from scratch. Yeah. And even though I had, you know, been in television and in film and you know, in workshops in New York and done regional theater for over a decade in New York and the Southeast. When I got to LA, it took me forever to find representation, Mm. which is crazy to me. I had never like experienced that before, but it is, it is the plight of so many like young beginning college graduates in LA is that it like takes forever to get representation because it's such a hypersaturated market. Um, even, but even when, in spite of the fact that you had all this, like you had a catalog, you had a ton of uh, stuff on your reel, I'm sure like you had a catalog of work since you were a child and it was still yeah, really hard. It was still really hard. Wow. Yeah. And I, I think I wasn't expecting that. I think I was hoping that a lot of the connections I'd made in New York would get me further in LA, but it was really such like a separate market. Mm. Um, and so I kind of felt like I had to start from the bottom, which is like totally fine, but it is, it is like a hustle. And, um, eventually I was able to like get some representation, I think based because based on the fact that I had had experience and I had a reel and my like acting profiles were already completely set up. The things where agency managers send you on auditions. And, and I think for so many people who were new coming to LA, they don't have those resources already. And so much of the work that a manager and an agent has to do is like hand-holding people through the that process. Yeah. And so I think if you can come prepared with that, you've already got a leg up on a lot of the competition. But um, yeah, starting over was really tough, but I ended up getting a manager that I mm-hmm. absolutely adore. And yeah. she's also from the Southeast. So I feel that kind of kinship with her, uh, which is fun, but she's been out here for a long time. And, and um, my relationship with her is really fun too, because I think a manager really wants to develop talent over time. They're willing to invest, um, in order to over time, like see growth. Um, and I think that's kind of really where we're at in our process right now. And the pandemic has been so hard for everyone in every industry, in every scope of it. 
and but especially yeah it's but. just it's also really manifested and reflected in actors and yeah. um it's just decreased the amount of projects that exist and you know being a union actor i can't do like student films at usc with up-and-coming directors which would be really cool to do but um you can't do a stage combat film no, I can't do one. Yeah. I mean, because I'm a member of the union and have been since I was 10 years old. And I mean, those are great opportunities, I think, yeah. to really grow with like a cohort of peers who are going to be growing up with you in the industry. Um, but I think maybe I'm a bit more narrowly focused due to being in the um, in the union and no, yeah, because I, of my I was, past credits. Yeah, I was, I was kidding. But uh, I mean, you have, it's, even now, like uh, it seems mm-hmm. like the pandemic is, um, I guess it's on the way. I mean, hopefully, fingers crossed, right? But th- are, there still, are you still seeing a dearth of union projects even uh, at this point? Oh, I mean, there's so many reasons too. It, it, yeah, it, it's really, and it's narrowed the pool of people yeah. that I think casting directors are willing to, bring in for roles they're like let me go with my tried and true i have a small inner circle these are people i know and so it makes it makes people less likely to to go out on a limb because you have to really stick your neck out so far for a new actor and i can understand like how scary that could be for a casting office because um i just filmed an episode of an hbo show last monday Mm. and it hasn't come out yet so it's not on anything but um I had to do so much like COVID testing for that. Uh, And like, there were so many compliance things and you really have to like trust that these actors are like going to stay on top of it because it it is very independent. It functions independently. And so you need to be like responsible for, for taking part in that process as well. And are you like, you guys are like still socially distanced and stuff. Is it kind of like, does it feel like 2020 a little bit when you're shooting now? Like on the does, But Luckily for performers, like there's an understanding that like we can't wear masks. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And so we do all the COVID testing. And while everyone does COVID testing, I don't know that it's as rigorous as it is for actors. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm I'm pretty sure it's not. But everyone else wears masks. Um, But uh, talent doesn't. So, uh, I mean, you've you've done a lot. Were the first kind of... um, I guess breaks or like the major projects. Did you find kind of that in television? Like, I mean, I know you worked when you were, I guess, really young, like near that time you made, you know, Girl Next Door, uh, mm-hmm. which is that traumatic movie. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. did like Law and Order. That's when you did John Adams and like a lot of that stuff. Was that kind of the first um, thing that you were, you kind of saw yourself actively kind of working in the business in television? Yeah. And I think I can like pretty distinctively point at John Adams as being like the moment where I was like, this would be cool to do forever. Yeah. And I think I, I always tell people I got so spoiled at a really young age by doing a huge budget, like star studded yeah. HBO project with a, an Oscar winning director. He just yeah. won the Oscar for the King speech. Mm. Um, and oh, so, Hooper, right? yeah. yeah, Tom yeah. Hooper. And he was, I mean, brilliant. Um, yeah. And so getting to work on that production, I think, spoiled me. I was like, is this what it's like? I always feel like I peaked too, because it was such a great opportunity. I mean, I had a dialect coach who just worked with me on like a new American dialect. Mm -hmm. And um, the writer really liked me. He wrote me additional scenes with like Laura Linney and with Paul Giamatti because he got along really well with me. And I think I responded to the, the stuff that he wrote. 
Mm-hmm. And so getting to work on that, I mean, I wore um, Kirsten Dunst's petticoat that she wore in Marie Antoinette. Oh, I mean, yeah. there were just so many cool little things yeah. that were a part of it uh, that I was fascinated with. I handled so much livestock because uh, they lived on a farm. I like worked yeah. with bulls and chickens and horses. And I just thought like, you get to do it all when you're an actor. You can yeah. do everything that you want to do. You can be an astronaut. You can be a pioneer. You can yeah. be uh, a magician. I mean, you can do anything. And I think that's what really excited me about acting so much too, which is like, oh, I don't have to pick a career. I can do them all. Yeah, yeah. I'll do that then. Because I, I know, think then you yeah. get to learn the most. I know the set deck stuff on that show was like, especially with the White House and stuff. I know that was pretty um, mind blowing. But what was it like working with uh, like Paul and and Laura? I mean, two like veteran, seasoned um, you know actors that have made so many great films. Yeah, and I think it's cool. I'll say that I think maybe I've heard that Paul Giamatti has a reputation in the industry for mm. maybe being like sour, and it's totally. I think maybe a misunderstanding. Yeah. I think I, cause what I experienced is I felt like very similar to him and that I was like, I'm here to do my job. Yeah. I'm here to work. They're paying me to do my best and I'm going to focus on that. And so maybe he's like less friendly in between. I mean, takes, that's passion, but I never right? understood that. Yeah, yeah. I was like, he's so dedicated because he's so good. Yeah. It's like, he has like, so many awards and nominations for being extremely hardworking and talented and versatile. So he was really cool to work with. And while I didn't have like many one-on-one conversations with him, there were a few scenes where it was just me and him. And I remember this one scene where um, I improvised and uh, they the director and and Paul liked it so much. They were like, can you keep doing that? You should do that again. And it it, it helps me. And so it was wow. really cool to um, be able to work with somebody who I think was a great role model for me. And then Laura Linney, I mean, yeah. who doesn't have like incredible, wonderful things to say about her? I remember, I mean, I was so young at the time I made her a little bracelet. She was playing my mom and I made her a bracelet out of stones and I gave it to her (laughs) and she was like so kind and thankful. And um, she was really great with the kids in terms of like not only being personable, but from like a working standpoint, she was making always made sure that like there were some little kids on that set, made sure that they were like safe and taken Mm. care of because there was like livestock around. We were like in the middle of a farm outside of Richmond, Virginia. I mean, it was a crazy atmosphere to be in. And so she was always making sure that like, first and foremost, like the kids were safe. And that, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and that we were all being able to like do our best work on set. So she was incredible. That goes a long way. Like when you're working with, you know, I mean, because those kids will eventually grow up. I mean, and, you know, Pats may cross again and they remember that, right? You're never going to forget mm-hmm. that. And that's awesome. Um, especially when they're like immersed in their own process and they're kind of willing to go out for you to, for stuff like that. She was mm-hmm. great. And no one talks about this, uh, but she was great. And she's a great lawyer. Like she's great at oh, playing yeah? a lawyer. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. Not an, I mean, like she played um, a lawyer in The Exorcism of Emily Rose. She's oh, really? That. Yeah. And Primal Fear. I mean, she's yeah. really good at that. Um, so then, so after that, uh, I mean, there were definitely projects of yours that I've, you know, seen, but you've worked um, 
Cinemax, you've worked on a lot of different stuff on television. When did you kind of decide, I don't know if it was a decision or um, it was just kind of opportunities, but when do you kind of go more into film and, you know, because I've definitely, I mean, the changeover is great. And oh, that cool. role, yes, the Thank you. great. Yeah, yeah. So then where do you, how do you kind of go from, make that transition, I guess, from TV and in, into more of those, I guess, adult-oriented, um, existential, to some degree, films? Uh, TV started, I, I think as I got older, it, it maybe got more difficult to fly to New York for these in-person theater auditions. And I'll, I'll be, I'm not a hundred percent clued into that. Cause again, I feel like some of that decision-making was like out of my control, yeah. maybe also decided by my parents and um, having conversations with my agent about like our ability to keep flying every week. And so I think at some point too, my agent realized that like, I naturally gravitate towards film. I just love the process and the production. And um, there's so many theater actors too, who like, and I think this stigma has gone away mm-hmm. more recently with when, because there's been so much crossover between theater and film actors yeah. um, saying like, actually we're, we're not different from each other. But I think there was this big stigma between like theater acting and film acting. And I didn't have any like predispositions about that and was yeah. like, no, I really like film. I want to go into it. Um, and pursuing the television was great because it's a great way to build credits and start to build momentum in a career. And so I think my agent at that point, and I suppose I'm, I'm guessing, but I think that they were trying to really start to build a resume for me of credits by submitting for like co-stars and then guest star roles where I could um, kind of get into the circuit. And I feel like that's kind of what happened too. And I mean, a lot of my TV credits are spread out between my New York agent and my Southeastern agent too, because there's a lot of stuff that films in the Southeast and it's easy to like show up as a day player too, uh, Mm -hmm. for stuff like Rectify and Banshee. Um, And so getting into television was really fun. You get a lot of exposure. You learn so much from your like day or few days on set. And then transitioning into some of these films that I started doing, it kind of just changed as I think, I, I mean, I filmed changeover when I was a junior in high school and I remember no. because it was filming during all of my AP testing, which oh, was important man. for college. And I really struggled with that. I think that was so difficult because, you know, it was a lead character and yeah. she has a lot of dialogue and then also being able to like find time to study in these three weeks that like lined up concurrently. It was like, a perfect hellscape for me. And so uh, transitioning into that was because I had been working with this acting coach, Estes Tarver, for my entire life. He'd known me since I was eight years old. And when he first met me when I was eight, he started to get inspired to write this project. And eventually it came to fruition. And I was much older at that time when it kind of finally came together, but he'd written this piece for me and him. And able to transition to that was really fun. I mean, I love indie film. I love acting in indie film. I love the the small um, feeling that it has. Uh, It can feel so impactful to such a small group of people who are working on it. Um, yet it can reach like such wide audiences. I just yeah. think it's really powerful. That's like the one thing that, um, cause I, I guess I'm like kind of old school. Like I kind of miss going to the like theaters and stuff to see in the cinemas to see films. But mm-hmm. the one thing that was so hard way back, um, I guess not that back in the day, but a little back in the day was in making indie films is like finding an audience, especially when you're competing yeah. against 
whatever, like the equivalent of Avatar, these giant theatrical releases. But now because of Netflix and all this stuff, I mean, mm-hmm. these guys, these films can have a real audience and like do well, which is really cool. But yeah. changeover, that's interesting that you were a junior in high school because that character is, I think she's around that age too, right? Like maybe 16 mm-hmm. and her, she's just lost her parents. And mm-hmm. she's in this grief fog when she's, you know, going to live with her uncle. So how do you, um, did, did you find it, I guess, first of all, because um, you'd known Estes, you know, for a while, obviously, yeah. when you were a kid. So was it kind of odd or did it uh, affect the, you know, your um, acting at all or just your experience being there? Because uh, he was also directing uh, and being an actor, you know, principal actor with you. Well, I think what was so great about Changeover 2 is that it was a conversation that Estes and I had been able to have over years prior and about the development of the character and the story and uh, the inspiration behind the story and kind of the message behind it. And so I feel like even though maybe being an actor director on a small indie, like low budget film kind of really spreads you thin, uh, I feel like I had been able to really properly prepare uh, before. So he was able to focus on uh a lot of other things in the moment. There were so many moving parts to coordinate for him. And I was glad that I was able to kind of like have my conversations with him in the years prior and feeling a lot of clarity about the role. And so much of it was inspired based on um, experiences in his life. And so mm-hmm. I was able to really discuss those like personal things with him uh, for a really long time. And then even on set, like we would have a chat about a story or a moment that him or someone he knows or, you know, an experience that he's had go through that maybe inspired the scene or is relevant to this scene or would provide some context for me as an actor. And uh, I would be reminded of other conversations we'd had. And so I was able to pull from a wealth of resources about this topic, even though it's not something that I think as a junior in high school, I'd had a lot of personal experience with or exposure to. And I also feel like when I was in high school, it was kind of before talking about mental health was like as popular as it is now and sharing these struggles and being able to communicate with your peers about them. And I had never had conversations with my peers in high school about mental health. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think this film was really like pushing a boundary at that time. And, and Estes was like, so giving of himself and um, made sure that I was able to empathize in, in order to really give justice to this character. Yeah, I mean, especially in those, um, like those hospital scenes when you're, you know, wearing the gown and then you're kind of, you're, you're not talking to anybody. It's weird. It's interesting to see how pale you are, right? I know, right? Yeah. So, I mean, do you, um, do you feel like you were, in addition to all that, you know, dialogue with Estes about the role and about the part doing that research, did you find that you were still using stuff from the Winston-Salem school or your other experience with that, um, you know, the girl next door movie in terms of just like thinking about trauma and how to how that kind of infected that character's mental health in such a great to such a great degree. Yeah, well, I think um, so much of acting training can be so. I don't know, codified and regimented, yeah. but it's, but it's really about being able to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. I think mm. it's it's all designed in order to create empathy because we only have the the tool and the resource of ourselves. Like that's right. all I can ever understand about the world is like through my lens and myself about it. So I think it's about so much of the acting and training, like personalization and things like that is finding how you relate to this character. Sure. How does this like 
relate to my own life. And I think I was able to use a lot of Strasbourg techniques, especially in mm. the hospital scene, because I am terrified of hospitals. Oh, yeah. I was at that time. I'm not so yeah. much anymore, but just like the way it smelled in there, yeah, yeah. like the lighting, it creeped me out. And I yeah. think I was like not feeling great. And I think I was able to be like, yeah, that's probably how she feels. Like, yeah. I think maybe even if it's not exact because she's going through these mental health struggles and just lost her parents and is like a huge shift in her life. I think yeah. at least I can relate to being uncomfortable where I am. And I think it's finding those ways in that that really helped me. I mean, especially during changeover, just being like, yeah, I can understand even if I don't experience this myself, that this is a really uncomfortable situation. I may feel very foreign. I feel like stranded or lost or like I don't have help and being able to recognize when like that helping hand has been reached out to me, like an olive branch and being able to see like, okay, yeah, I can find a way out now. I think all of those experiences are things we can relate to. And so, you know, even if you don't have exact experience with what's happening in the script, you know, you can latch onto something. Yeah, no, definitely super, uh, super important, impactful film. I love that film. So then, um, in, in terms of that, I guess thinking, uh, was it kind of a is it kind of a leap to think about comedy because you did that, you did that Raleigh. I still like you, right? And you're opening that, um, that film with that dude. So do you, um, like how is that? How do you feel like I guess sense memory or the training that you got, or maybe it's direction, or, or maybe it comes from the source material, but how do you feel like, um, uh, you know, that transition or, or is there a difference between your process for doing more serious stuff and like more comedy stuff? Well, I was lucky to be in um, a sketch comedy group in college called Inside mm. Joke. And nice. um, while I've done improv classes and yeah. sketch classes and had training and, you know, you can even like, I've been acting and learning and honing my like performance craft for like over 15 years, but I can still say that I feel very weak in that area and that mm. I don't have a lot of experience, even though I, I probably do. But I feel like it's something that you have to be willing to like push yourself outside of your comfort zone. And so yeah. being able to be in a sketch comedy group in college was um, a great chance for me in a very safe setting to take some chances. Um, but I think what was so great about Raleigh, kind of like you, is I was working with Sean McCracken, who is yeah. also a person I've known since I was 11 years old. It's just such a small world in the Southeast because that yeah. did film in Raleigh. And so I was in a play with Sean when he was in college and I was 11 years old. And wow. we've known each other ever since. Yes, we were in the Secret Garden. Oh, and wow. so, yeah, very fun. And, um, he in actually someone had dropped out of doing the role that I was in last minute. And I had two days to kind of fill in for that role because Sean had reached out to me and was like, Hey, we really need someone to like fill in for this. And I was like, sure, anything, anything for you, Sean. And so, um, I have a great rapport with him. And mm -hmm. I think that's what made that such a positive experience. I've also like taken acting classes from Sean and like mm. we've taught classes together as well. And so, I mean, I think it's such a resource to be able to learn from the people that you're surrounded by. I mean, especially because I know that he feels very at home in that material. And so being able to be with someone who is confident inspires confidence within you. And so I felt that was a really fun experience just because of the my scene partner the people i was working with yeah that's awesome yeah it definitely looked that definitely came across so then i guess as we as we wrap up i mean when you think about 
the projects that you've done. I mean, you just talked about, you just mentioned, uh, I guess briefly, you're not really uh, probably supposed to talk about it, but that HBO thing, which is good. Um, so you like, uh, in spite of all the COVID stuff, you kind of still like um, doing that. Uh, I don't know if it's, uh, is it kind of a mini series? Is it a show? Is it? So it's the season know? two of a show that okay. they're having. Okay. I don't know when this episode comes out, but okay. um, it's, it's, it's a great show. It's actually a comedy and it's nice. a period piece. And so I'm playing a real person, mm. which is very fun. But, um, and it's like a very seventies show. And okay. um, I think I love that kind of like period look. And so, yeah. yeah, getting to film that was a great step because not only is it like the chance to get a new credit on your resume and build momentum, which I've heard, you know, other people on your show talk about, but um it's also so important to get a credit with a company that's like a great one to work for, super reputable. It makes the experience really fun. And um, it just gives that much more value to your credit on your resume, which I guess is a very like business way of looking at it. But, you know, I am running like the business of my life. So yeah. it was a very exciting project to be a part of and to work with some like really cool, famous comedians. And it was nice. a lot of fun. Okay, well, I'm excited to see that. I gotta guess what it is, but I guess I'll know when it comes out if you're if it's kind of that look. But uh, really, really enjoyed talking to you. Um, you know, obviously, uh, I love talking to people that went to Duke because I love that experience and talking about it, and also yeah. the projects that you've done. Especially, I think the one that resonated. Um, well, I guess I saw the changeover before the Girl Next Door. Uh, Girl mm-hmm. Next Door was re- resonatory, if that's a word for different reasons. But the changeover <laughs> was great because um, it came before this COVID mental health sort of awareness. And I think, Mm -hmm. I really think that it, I'm sure that it helped a lot of people. So thanks so much for all of your work. Thanks so much for talking to me. Uh, It was really a pleasure. Awesome. Thanks for having me. It was a great time. 